One of those days that's been, uh, well, planned for about 14 months. Uh, glad that you were here today. Thought a long time about the words for today. And even though they're not my last words as such, uh, some of my last words as the full-time minister of this congregation. Moses had some last words for Israel. He was a leader of Israel, brought them out of Egypt. The whole book of Deuteronomy is his last sermon. And I thought about just reading that, but it would take a day or so. And I probably would lose my audience. He was 120 years old when he gave that sermon, so uh, that's 50 years more than I have. Uh, but he reminded Israel of all the works or the words of the law. Some of those words that he gave from Deuteronomy chapter 32. And he said to them, Take to heart the words which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of the law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long and in the land that you are going over to Jordan to possess. Know the words of God's will. Live by those words. They will be with you for and serve you well all of your lives. Joshua had some last words. They're found in the end of Joshua chapter 24. Israel had conquered the land, or at least a large part of, the, part of that land. And he gave them an alternative. Serve God or serve those false gods that you served years ago. Verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity in your faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers that your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Serve God. Serve the Lord. Some words for you today, last words. Serve the Lord. Our Paul writes to Timothy. He has some last, some parting words for Timothy. He says in chapter, or 2 Timothy chapter 1, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God. Never be ashamed of the Lord your God. Serve him always. There's power in the Lord, power in the word. Later on in that same chapter, follow the pattern of the sound words which you've heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted in you. You've received the word. You've received the word of God. Guard that word. Hold fast to that word. Keep that, that system of thought, that pattern of words, that doctrine that you've received from the Lord. Still, Paul to Timothy, chapter 2, when you were, uh, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You've heard 15 years worth of words from me. 
Hopefully those words have been the words of God. Those remember any words that were not. Well, forget those. But hold true to the faithful words of Scripture. The words you've received from the Lord. Verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Leave the foolishness of the world, leave the squabbles of the world. Hold true to the word of God. That's where life is. That's where your life is. It's where the life of this kingdom, this church is. Hold to the truth of the Lord. Verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call the Lord from a pure heart. The world has a lot of work, uh, paths to follow, a, a lot of messages that different people get captured with. Hold the Lord. Hold Pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace. That's where our future is. That's where our life is. That's where God is. Last words are generally words to live by. They, they generally are words that seek to focus us and, and become guideposts or life markers so that we can live by those, kind of an anchor that squares us in life. They keep us on the path of life. And to do that, they generally have uh, well, they answer the questions of life. They kind of give us a direction or a philosophy of life. Uh, they ask or they answer the big questions that are always asked, like, who am I? Where am I? Or what am I doing? Where am I going? What's the purpose of living? What are my goals? Or what should be my goals? My directions of life. Those are important questions. In fact, they require an answer we have to have an answer to those questions in order to live and to, uh, to be fruitful in this world if we don't have an answer to those questions then our life will be difficult it'll be awkward we'll flounder around and not know what we're doing or where we're going or how we're going to go we need answers if we don't have those well generally we uh, are Wandering around, awkward, uh, sometimes depressed. All the world's philosophies try to answer those questions. Uh, materialism answers it by saying, well, what you need is stuff. And you build your barns and you fill them all with stuff. Uh, and there's a lot of satisfaction with having a lot of stuff. <laughs> but gold generally does not comfort a broken heart. And silver doesn't keep you warm at night. Materialism doesn't really answer those questions very well. Humanism, it appreciates the questions and it appreciates the value of human accomplishment and it seeks to answer. In fact, a lot of people think that there are some really good answers in humanism. But humanism tends to exalt humanity and human intellect 
and human achievement. And it becomes very self-conceited. And it begins to neglect the deficiencies that we have. And there are a lot of them. <laughs> because we keep trying and we still find ourselves uh, failing. And being lost. And not know where to go. Humanism doesn't really have long-term solid answers. Hedonism is the way a lot of people go. That's the eat, drink, and be merry and, and just try to get everything you can. Uh, it's gods become the gods of excess and decadence. Uh, but that generally leads to disappointment and self-destruction and disease. Despair. We could spend a lot of time today talking about philosophies of life and how the philosophies of this world are really able to answer those questions adequately. Who, what, where, how. Scripture does. Even in, from the very beginning, that's the purpose of Genesis chapter 1. It answers, it gives us an, an answer to all the questions of life. Who am I? Well, I am a creature made by God, created in His image. That's who I am. That's who we are. That's what humanity is. We are made in the image of God. Why am I here? Well, I'm here to live in this world created by Him to give Him glory and honor, to be fruitful and multiply? What's my purpose? Well, to exalt the name of the Lord, to obey His will, to keep His commandments. Where am I going? We, that's where we really get hung up most of the time, that self-actualization question. What's my purpose or what will bring satisfaction to me? The answer to that is the joy of the Lord. What fulfills me? What gives me meaning? Well, I'm glad we're here today. Hear are the words of Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord is... He is God. It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. What brings joy? What brings a sense of happiness? Well, it's the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Serve the Lord with joy. Come, worship God. Oh, and worship the Lord. Has that? It has been wonderful to be united in song this morning and praising His name. God is the God of all creation. We are His people created for His good works, for His pleasure. Let us rejoice and be glad in the Lord. Come into His presence and praise His name. God is good. And His mercies, they endure forever. Over the last three months now, we've been reading the Sermon on the Mount, looking at that. 
Today we're at that last paragraph. Coincidence that it's the last Sunday. <laughs> Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rains fell and floods came. The winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. What's the rock on which we need to build our house? Sometimes we will say, and it would be correct to say, well, it's Jesus. But I think we need a little more specific answer than that. It's the teachings of Jesus. It's what he's been saying in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. It's the Sermon on the Mount. This is the conclusion. It's what he's led up to in all of this sermon. And so after he gives all of these teachings, he says, Now if you hear what I've said and you do what I say, then you're building your house on the rock. If you ignore what I say, then you're building your house on the sand. And when the storms of life come, your house is going to fall. It starts off with the Beatitudes. What it really means to be blessed, or how we are really blessed. Uh, it talks about blessings that aren't what the world usually thinks about. We usually we think, well, blessed, it's the people that live in the really big houses and drive the really fancy cars and have all of this stuff. Jesus said, that's really not a blessed person. You remember those lessons. The teachings of Jesus is about a morality that starts on the inside and then sees fruit in the way it lives, in the way we interact with the people around us, the world around us, the way we live in community. Because we serve the God of heaven, Those in my family that are here today, they'll remember him from Brownsville, Dave Kirkland. He was an engineer. He, uh, when we moved to Brownsville, he worked for, I forget the name of the company, they built buses, Greyhound buses, trailway buses, and city buses. Uh, he, he was in charge of the plant. If the part broke down, he, he said, you can't just call up and order a new plant for this factory here. You've got to build one. Uh, and so he kept the factory running. But when Trico... Uh, windshield wiper blades was leaving Buffalo, New York and looking for cheaper labor uh, in Mexico. Uh, he was hired by Trico to build the plant. The Trico, so if you buy uh, a Trico windshield wiper blade, you'll get a blade made in the factory that he built. But when he was building that, he, uh, we were talking one time and he said, you know, uh, Really, sand is a good thing to build on. <laughs> so we always layer some sand to start our construction. I didn't have an answer for David Kirkland in 1985. 
I just kind of say, okay, you're the engineer, I'm not. <laughs> and then later I realized, he built on a rock. He spread that sand. But then he poured in all this cement and he made a rock, a big rock. And he built his building on that rock that he built. <laughs> Y'all know that we go to camp. We've been going to camp for a long time. In the 1980s, we went to camp, uh, to Peach Valley Camp near Gonzales. And I lovingly referred to Peach Valley as a concentration camp. <laughs> I mean, the buildings were atrocious. They were old army barracks that had been, and they hadn't, uh, they pulled them in on a flatbed trailer, I guess, and parked them there and jacked them up on some, some rocks, and that was it. <laughs> and they'd been there for 50 years, and, <laughs> and they, they'd built, we'd built a crack, a craft shack next to Peach Creek, it's Peach Valley, no, next to Peach Creek. One year we had a heavy rain, and the rains came down that creek bed, and it got up under the foundation of the craft, uh, the craft shack and began to wash out the dirt and the sand. And before the water subsided, that whole slab of concrete was about 200 yards down the creek. It's amazing what rain can do, what floodwaters can do, even to a big rock that's there in the waters. So what was Jesus talking about when he said, when he used this illustration? Uh, we don't understand normally because we don't live in Israel. We don't understand the geography there. Now, people that live in the hill country of Texas have a little bit better of an understanding. But about the only places that are flat and sandy smooth in Israel are the creek beds, the wadis. Everything else is hilly and rocky and if you want to build, you've got to work on your foundation. It'll make a, a, a kind of a level spot up higher. But the only places that are naturally smooth are the stream, the stream beds. Because there's not a lot of water that flows in that area. When the rains or it doesn't have a lot of rain, so the creeks are generally kind of dry. When there is a big rain and the water rushes down the creek bed, if you're close to the creek, well, it happens to that house, the same thing that would happen, that happened to that craft shack next to Peach Creek. It washes downstream. But if you're up higher on the rocky ground, away from the creek bed, the water down below is rushing through, but your house stands because the torrent of the river can't reach it. Now those people that live in the hill country of Texas understand that because there have been a lot of houses built by a lot of folks too close to the riverbeds <laughs> that when the rains came and the floods came up, the houses didn't last. So how do we choose the things we do each day? Because that's how we're building our house. How do we determine our morality? By what's easy and fun and commonly practiced? Or by what does the Word of God say? How do we determine our living standards? 
our ethical values by what is culturally acceptable, politically correct? Or do we use the Word of God to decide how we're going to live? How do we choose our goals? How do we plan for the future? Do we let the world tell us, this is what you need to be, this is where you need to go, this is what you need to possess? Or do we allow the Word of God to direct our path of life? Do we choose selfishly for ourselves by the values of the world? Or do we take the values from God? Do we seek first the kingdom of God? And then allow God to supply for us those things that we need. Are we sliding down the easy and wide road that Jesus says leads to destruction? Or are we working through that hard and narrow way that serves the Lord? The principles we choose to as our living principles will either help us or hinder us. During difficult times, if we've chosen the principles of God, they'll help us. They will help us to avoid the torrents of the flood. We'll be able to stand. Our house will stand. The truths of Jesus give Strength to life. So find blessings in God. From what we hear in the Sermon on the Mount. In humility and meekness. Not in arrogance and force. Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those that live for self. They may have temporary self-pleasure and satisfaction. But their house will not stand the torrents of the flood. Blessed are the merciful for they, they're the ones that are going to get mercy. Blessed are those who learn to live with grace and forgiveness. Because if we live in anger then we're going to be lonely. And life's going to be hard. If we live in lust, there'll be more than adulteries in our life. There'll be heartache and brokenness, disappointment. Another of the truths of Jesus is to live in integrity, the integrity of our word. Be truthful and honest and faithful to your promises. Jesus would say, vengeance never resolved conflict. It only adds more conflict, more heartache, more deceit, more anger. So instead of vengeance, there needs to be forgiveness. Loving our enemies restores community, it restores families, it restores a sense of camaraderie, of joy in the Lord. Jesus would say, share what God has given you with those that are less fortunate. Share because that's what God does. And if we want to be like God, then we give to those around us. 
Practice your faith from a sincere heart. Not from hypocrisy, not from egotism. And understand that we are more than material. We, we are spiritual and so live with eternity in mind. Build for eternity. Store your treasures there. Because if you store your treasures in a barn here where moth eats away and rust destroys, you'll wind up with nothing. Live for eternity. These are the words of the Sermon on the Mount. He would say, worry does more harm than good. In fact, if you're worrying about tomorrow, today, you've lost today. Today was counted as, well, you missed it. It says, be gracious and kind in your opinions and judgments. Because people are going to look at you and require the same things of you that you're requiring of them. Somebody said, you know, speak softly and sweetly because you're going to have to eat those words. Learn to treat others as you want to be treated. Because... There is a principle of reciprocity. People are going to act toward you this way you act toward them. Even though the Sermon on the Mount were beginning words of Jesus that he used in the very beginning of his ministry, they're good last words as well. So they're good words for me to remind you today. A godless secular world doesn't have answers that satisfy the real questions of who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? That's evidence because every generation seems to have new answers because the answers from 20 years ago don't seem to fit anymore. They just lead to depression and desperation. God's answers have stayed the same always. Psalm 100 that we read, it's resonated to generation after generation because it's words of truth from God. So celebrate your life in God. Celebrate your relationship with Him. Rejoice in the Lord. In fact, as Paul would say to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's where life is. Rejoice in the Lord. Put your faith there, your confidence there, and the peace of God will always be with you. So build your house with a rock. When the floods come, your life, your house will stand because the waters of doubt, the waters of confusion, the waters of despair, it will not reach your house. If you build in the lowlands, where there's not as much preparation work, the easy place, When the floodwaters come, your house will not stand. 
During these 15 years, I've sought to know only Jesus. It's been my goal that it, you would follow Him, not me. For us to look at Jesus. As Paul said about himself, I've got to admit for myself, I'm one of the, I'm a well-known sinner. But for God's mercy and grace, I would be in this world without hope. But by the grace of God, I've come to know His love and His forgiveness. By knowing the cross. Oh, and I pray that you have come to know the cross. Know the forgiveness that's in Jesus, His grace, His love. That's where we need to build our lives. I pray that that's what you've seen. By His grace, we have redemption because of the crucifixion. It's what I have tried to give to you. Paul would say, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Over the last few weeks, months really, you've been very kind to me. You've had words of, that have strokes the ego <laughs> just an awful lot. <laughs> and I appreciate that. But what I hope you've seen is Christ and Him crucified. Know the Word. Know the word of His grace. Know the power and the strength that is found in Jesus and the cross. I believe as a people, we've known that. This church has known this for years, much, much more than where we've been. This has always been a place of praise and worship. It's been a place where the Spirit of God moves us to serve Him. The future of this church is in the hands of godly and spiritual people because all of us, we seek to know the Lord and His cross. Certainly there are dangers ahead. Everywhere there's a danger ahead because Satan is always seeking to, to destroy and, and to malign Never fear reaching out. Look at the history of this congregation. You'll understand it. It was people in this congregation that dreamed of camp. And Deer Run has touched the lives of literally thousands of people for what? 60, 70 years. 
Some of you dreamed, let's feed hungry people. And for three years, we've, we've prepared almost 400,000 meals to feed hungry children. What can we dream and accomplish? We said, we need to go to, to uh, Guatemala and, and, and do a vacation Bible school and, and help poor people there. And $20,000 later, we were there with 20 of you guys and... There is nothing by faith this church can't do. Let me rephrase that. There's nothing by faith that God will not do through this church. A few weeks ago we said, let's feed the entire uh, football uh, population. And so we sat up outside the football stands with hot dogs and, and, and gave out hot dogs and water to everybody that came to the football game. <laughs> or at least we tried. Some of them didn't want it. They were afraid there was some, some catch to it. <laughs> there is nothing that cannot be done because God works with His people. Our limitations are our dream. We are our own limitation because sometimes we just don't dream big enough. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We don't serve to bring glory here. What we do is to point people to the cross of Jesus. That they might know the cross of Christ. As Paul commended to the church in Ephesus. Now commend you to God and the word of his grace. Which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Stay in the word of his grace. Like we do every week, we want to pray, pray for you. Or we want to offer to you the opportunity to become a Christian. It would be foolish for me to think that, not, that everyone here has already chosen to follow the Lord. Some of you I know as of yet have not made your discipleship known. You've not confessed Jesus in the presence of others. You've not been buried with Him in baptism for the remission of your sins. You can do that today. As we always do, we want to pray for those that are struggling, that seek to have a closer walk with God. Talk with you about the needs that you may have in your life. Like always, some of our elders and some of the wives of, uh, of our elders will be in the foyer. Some of us will be here at the front if you have a need that you want to talk to God about with us, we'll pray with you. If you want to just talk because you're not sure where you are and you want some help, we'll visit with you. We'll talk with you about that. Let's be standing. In a moment, we'll sing a song. And during the singing of that song, we'll encourage your response. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory and with great joy to the only God and our, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.